Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, hi there. Thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, ministry resource of Journey Church International here in Lee Summit. My name is Ryan. It's my honor to, to host the podcast with Pastor Christian today. This Sunday was our final message in a new series entitled All In. Uh, we're in Matthew 9, focusing on those three, those four verses, 35 through 38. Uh, the message this week was prepare the way. I'd like to welcome you if you're new to the podcast. Uh, I'm glad you found us. Hopefully this will be an encouragement to you. We always want to help uh, activate people's faith, encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. We're glad you uh, are here. Pastor Christian, this is episode 199. That's crazy to think about. It is. I yeah. remember when you and yeah. Pastor Brandon were talking about this idea, let's do a podcast, and then you all started it. So uh, it's it's we've got a lot of great listeners. Pastor Brandon, thank you for, he still listens. Every once in a while he'll give me a little uh, advice on uh, how not to suck, <laughs> <laughs> how not to do bad on the podcast. You might I don't know, you might have to beat that word, I'm not sure. But uh Thank you for uh, the time that you've put into it. I know he did as well getting this. It's been a great tool uh, to try to minister to people. Yeah, I can't believe that next week is going to be 200. I mean, yeah. that's that's just kind of crazy to think about. You know, it was a ministry tool. We were we were just trying to figure out how to how to how do we provide an example of what discussing the message in a way that would help people apply it to their lives. Like what could that look like? And the thought was like, could we hold a mock small group? Could we, could we do a sermon based small group? Figure out how to record it so that our leaders could watch it. Because, you know, we had dozens and dozens and dozens of small group leaders at the time who were just trying to figure out how to use the the ministry tool and resource of small groups to help people apply what they were learning in a way that would kind of like activate their faith, not just be hearers of the word but doers of the word. And I remember sitting back in my office the first time and saying like, okay, you're like, let's just talk like we're in a small group and see if this will be useful to people. Uh, and now we've got hundreds of thousands of downloads of people who, who've been just kind of walking through, not just learning scripture, but learning how to activate their faith, uh, through scripture. It's, uh, it's been an exciting thing. Um, and I, you know, I think it's, I think it is a picture of our church of, of just trying to do uh, anything that we think might have spiritual impact for people. Absolutely. It's been an honor to get to host it with you. Um, you share a list of items uh, in your sermon and things that we're celebrating at Journey. Trip back from Guatemala recently, Thanksgiving outreach, tons of new volunteers, kids yeah. baptisms, kids yeah. Bible incentive. I actually was doing a little bit of uh, counseling with with a couple just briefly after church on Sunday in a room, and through the TV I could hear the kids starting to quote scripture. Yeah, and I thought, how awesome is that? Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, so, why are these important to celebrate as a church, especially in light of spirit, the spiritual realization number four that we've been focusing on? It takes all of us to accomplish Jesus' mission. So, Ryan, we never wanted to build a church; we just wanted to be on mission. Like our goal was not to start an organization. Our goal was just to be faithful in what Jesus had called his people to become, which is why we don't have the word church in our mission statement as a church. We exist to see people far from God become passionate Christians who make a difference in the world. Like we believe when you really are walking with Jesus, you do what Jesus 
has called you to do. And that makes a huge difference. And when you look at the things that we measure, Jesus says that we should go to the whole world. Are we going to the whole world? We, hey, we did that in November. We went to Guatemala and we provided every physical house in the town of Lysidras with a water filtration system. Like our church and the Christians at our church living on mission together provided clean, safe, healthy water to an entire village in Guatemala, along with the dental clinic they did and the medical clinic they did and the ministry that they did, along with the church that we've built and the school that we've helped build and the homes that we've helped build. Like Jesus said, you should do that stuff we are. Jesus says, let the little children come to me because the kingdom belongs to people that have a faith like theirs. So we see our church ministering to children and we see children ministering to our church as they challenge us with their memory verses and their big ideas and quoting all the books of the Bible. We had a five-year-old little girl quote all the books of the New Testament and then her six-year-old sister, which who quoted all 66 um, books of the Bible, which most, the vast majority of the adults in our church cannot do. Um, we baptized two weeks ago 10 kids. Jesus says in the Great Commission, go into all the world, teach them who I am, and baptize them. Like, you you look as a, as a church, we're always asking ourselves, are we doing what Jesus told us to do? Are we doing anything that looks like ministry in the 27 books of the New Testament? And that's why that's why we celebrate these things. And Ryan, like, we've got so much we can do better. And I think we've got so much more that we'd like to do. But I'm reminded of the, you know, the Mother Teresa when they asked her, how do you look at the slums of New Delhi and think you could have any impact? And she said, you know, I, I just, I help one person and I start with the one closest to me. I think of Wayne Cordero, that pastor in Hawaii who said, start small, but start now. This podcast and our church in November is a picture of that. We can't do everything, but we did something. Um, a lot of what we do is small, but it's now it's right in front of us, and it's what we can do. Feeding 500 families, there are probably 5,000 families um, in Kansas City that need help at Thanksgiving. We couldn't help all of them, but we could help some, so we did some. So I think we're we're doing what Jesus has called us to do at the scale that we can do it at now, while always hoping to get better and improve upon making disciples who make disciples, who do the work of ministry um, in the city that we live in. And it takes a lot of people, which is yes, uh, what's does. been awesome. Hundreds and hundreds of people yeah. have been a, have been a part of all these different uh, things that we just mentioned. Yeah, they have, and more than a hundred new people who signed up to be all in with us, which is really really cool. It is. Point number one in your sermon is the reason Jesus came, and and and, and you shared from Luke four eighteen through twenty one, where Jesus quotes Isaiah and proclaims the fulfilling of this prophecy. This was a bold statement by Jesus. Can you explain the bold statement and the risk Jesus was taking in proclaiming it here in the synagogue? Well, the the risk was claiming to be God's Messiah. Um, I you know I guess if you really are the Messiah, there was no risk in that. But probably one of the primary risks in that was the people's expectation of the Messiah. So you have to ask, not only am I the Messiah who's going to do what God called me to do, yes, but will the people see and understand and receive that? And on that day in Luke chapter 4, the answer is no. Um, they kind of grumbled against him. Who do you think you are saying this in our town and in our village? Um, and then eventually, because they were looking for 
someone who had much more of a, you know, they were looking for a Messiah who probably practiced a whole lot more nationalism than, than spiritual, um, than, than bringing a spiritual salvation to the people that like they, they missed him completely and they expected things of him that he was not called to do at this point in his ministry as the Messiah. Um, but you know, C.S. Lewis said like, Jesus cannot be a great teacher. Uh, Christian Gracia, who's our church planning resident, gave this quote several weeks ago when he preached. Like, C.S. Lewis said that Jesus is either, he's either got to be Lord or he's got to be lunatic. Like, these are the only two options. So when Jesus stands up and says, I'm the Messiah, you have to be all in with him because he proved that he was by getting on a cross and dying and then coming back to life. Or you got to say, I'm not going to follow him at all. Um, the risk is having Jesus in your life, but making him less than Messiah, less than Savior. Um, and Jesus spoke to a people who they wanted the Messiah to be less than their spiritual Savior, but but more than, more than Rome was giving them. Um, and when he did not meet their perfect expectation, they turned on him and they rejected him. But there was zero risk in Jesus saying who he was and what he was going to do because he was that and he did that. Um, and, and he, and he fulfilled it perfectly. And he basically said, um, you've been waiting on a savior a long time. I am the hope of the world. Hey, I'm like, I'm here. Um, but it, it wouldn't look like what they anticipated it looking like that day or in the next three years of Jesus ministry, or when he went to the cross or even when he was resurrected, most of the people who would put their hope in Jesus would live under an oppressive live and die in an, under an oppressive Roman regime their entire life and not understand all the spiritual promises or receive those until they were in heaven. These are just great parts of Scripture where Jesus is clearly saying who he is, backing it up with, you know, quoting Scripture, and then, of course, fulfilling it in his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. Um, point two is the reason we prepare in your message. And you share a statement, and you said, the beginning and end of Jesus' ministry were marked by people preparing others to receive him. Right. You highlight John the Baptist in Mark 1, 1 through 3. What made John the Baptist's role at this time so important and challenging? So I think the same thing, except maybe more. Um, you know, for John in the Roman Empire to stand up and say, like, hey, the Jewish king is coming and he's going to save the entire world would certainly get Rome's attention. It also got the attention of the Jewish leaders. Like Rome said, we're going we're gonna to control Israel um, from a government political standpoint, you can do whatever you want spiritually. So you had Rome who was saying, well, wait a minute, wait, like, tell me a little more about this king. And eventually it would be a Roman governor who would sentence Jesus to die. But it was a group of spiritual leaders that said, wait, 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 you telling me, you telling me a spiritual leader is going to come and replace us? Um, that created another side of enemies for Jesus. So, you know, John, John, one of John's first statements was basically like, if you're ready to repent, if you're ready to change, if you're ready to receive salvation, we got a guy who's ready for you. If not, he said, the axe is at the root of the trees and God is ready to cut you down and send you to an eternity without him. But now, now is the time to discern whether or not it's the day of salvation for you. So I think in this season, Somebody bold enough to preach in the face of Rome that a king is coming. Somebody bold enough in the face of Jewish leaders to pronounce a spiritual savior is coming who will connect you to God. Um, 
the Old Testament said that he would show up first. And one of the ways you're going to know that the Messiah is here when a prophet like Elijah stands up and is the forerunner and gets everyone ready. John's ministry had to come first. That, Like he told the disciples, John had to come first um, because Scripture said a forerunner would come and get people ready. And your hearts were primed and ready for me to show up because John got you ready. Uh, we, we can never be a picture of Jesus in our community. We can be a picture of John in our community to get people ready for the Savior that we believe is here. He's moving around among us, and we've got to be able to point to him and say, right there, that's the guy who's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We just got to be workers, getting the hearts of people ready. And that's kind of what the last really two weeks has been about in this series. Yeah, it's been a great message, and this was a great part of that message. If you haven't listened to it yet, remember you can you can download it, you can watch it online on either YouTube or our JCI app. Uh, next, you talk about Isaiah 62, 10 through 12. You really kind of unpack that set of verses with lots of challenging work to do and rewards to receive. And in unpacking this text, you talk about what, what the people of God are called to do. And one of them is welcome them home. It was part of one, one of those five. This is written all over our building and, and, and on the doors of our church, existing and new church. Uh, are these two things tied together, and, and what do you hope to say with, the, with this messaging on the doors? So in Isaiah 62, so in Isaiah 61, the Messiah stands up and says, I'm here to basically proclaim the year of the Lord. My favorite part of this message was explaining how Jesus is the Jubilee, the Jubilee year which uh, canceled debt, the Jubilee year which began with the covering of sin, the Jubilee year which didn't hold your past against you, the Jubilee year which allowed you to be returned to your family, the Jubilee year which which sets your relationship right with your family. Like Those are all things that Jesus does. And Jesus, the, in, in Isaiah 61, Isaiah said the Messiah will come and bring spiritual jubilee. Jesus would stand up in Luke 4 and say, I've come to bring spiritual jubilee. And then in Isaiah 62, the prophet would say, once the, once the announcement the Messiah is coming, once people experience jubilee, here's how they react to the rest of the world. And one, one of the things he said is they're going to race out of the gates, not into the city, but out of the city, so that they can welcome people who are not yet a part of their city. And they will unfurl the banners of the nations, basically saying, like, you are welcome here. This city is not just our city. This city is your city. Jesus is not just our Messiah. Jesus is your Messiah, and you are welcome here. When you talk to people who are unchurched, who don't go to church, who visit a church for the first time, I can't tell you how many dozens of people I've heard say something like this. I thought if I walked into church that I would like combustibly burst into flames or that the, like the roof of the church would fall down upon me. Like I did not think a person like me would be welcome in a place like that. You've heard my testimony. Yeah. You've said, yeah, you've said (laughs) that. Isaiah 62 says the exact opposite. Isaiah 62 says the people of God in the city of God, the people of God in the church of God, race to the outside world and they unfurl a banner that says, like, welcome home. You are welcome here. You are welcome in this place. You You are welcome to our Savior. Like, you are welcome to who Jesus is and what he wants to do for you. And I think it's important that a church has an an outward-facing banner 
that says you're you're welcome here and this can be your spiritual home. That's the thought of Isaiah 61, 62 that we lived in Sunday. Isaiah 61, Jesus has come to give us jubilee. Isaiah 62, we then go invite the world into that same jubilee. That's the thought. What Jesus does for us, we do for others. Jesus went outside the city. He left heaven. He came to earth. Eventually, he left Jerusalem and he went to Calvary. Jesus twice went outside the city to let us know that we would be welcome inside his city. And Jesus' people do the same thing. We are aware of the outside. We are active on the outside. We are inviting the outside. We are receiving on the inside. And we are we are welcoming people home. We, because Jesus has invited us from the outside in, we're constantly inviting others from the outside in. That's that's the picture of Messiah and work of Messiah that Isaiah gives us in Isaiah 61, 62. That's the work of Jesus that we see proclaimed in Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke, and John. There were five really great points under this thought. Um, you, you kind of unpacked one of them, the welcome home. When when Messiah comes, the people of God are called to do these five things. What what of the five points you mentioned in this section? Anything else that you, you wanted to unpack some more or make sure people understood from Sunday? Gosh, man, points four and five are so very, very, very good. Um, verse 11 of Isaiah 62 says, The Lord has made proclamation to the ends of the earth. Say to daughter Zion, see your Savior comes. His reward is with him. And his recompense accompanies him. Um, we know what reward is. Reward is what you is what you get for doing things right. A recompense is I don't want to say an apology, but it's what you receive after enduring wrong. It's what you win in a civil lawsuit. It's what you get because you've been wounded. So Isaiah says, like Jesus comes and he not only brings rewards for the things you've done in life that honor him. But he brings those things to repay you for the wrongs done to you. He brings his rewards for the things you've done well. And he brings a recompense recompense for the things done wrong to you. He writes all the wrongs in your life. He rewards you for every time you've been wronged. I don't think a lot of people understand how good God is. Not only does he not punish us for what we have done wrong, he repays us for what others have done wrong to us and rewards us for what we might get right. That is a powerful, powerful spiritual picture. And then I think telling them who they can become. So in Isaiah 62, 12, Isaiah says, they'll be called holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You'll be called sought after and the city no longer deserted. So I think the thought of telling people who they become in Jesus, in Jesus, you are sought after. In Jesus, you are no longer deserted. Living in a city where nearly 50% of the people feel lonely to tell them somebody's seeking after you, you are not alone, I think is is just huge. I had lunch with a one of our mutual friends today who maybe is like the the best God-sent greeter on the history of the planet, Mark Sharp. And he was just talking about his wife. His wife works both with FEMA in disaster relief and in training hospitals for crisis situation. And she's a nurse in town. So she's been traveling all over the country to hospitals who need to figure out how to do crisis management in COVID for 18 months. You can imagine 
You can like you can just imagine the state that she's in. And he says she was streaming my message from Minnesota last week, and she remarked about the five things that were on the screen: um, anxious, depressed, burned out, like discouraged, lonely. Um, and she said, "I am all of those right now." At yet another hospital that's blown up with cases, and they're trying to figure out where to send people. Uh, and I told him, you know, I said, Ryan and I last week talked on the podcast and I said, man, like how many, how, how many of these five have you experienced in the last 18 months? Like all of them. And, and it, and that's the reality. We all experience all of them. And there can be times where we're like, man, is anyone aware? Does anyone care? And Isaiah says, tell them, tell them that they are sought after that. Like God is pursuing him and tell them they're no longer deserted. They're no longer alone. He's not going to leave them. He's not going to forsake him. That, of course, is a promise that Jesus gives to us. But Isaiah told us who he would become before we realize him. So I, I think that thought of recompense, that not only, are, not only do we not receive what we deserve for what we did wrong, we receive back what we lose when others wrong us, our recompense. Um, and, and we're sought after, and we're not deserted. And in Jesus, we have a friend who will never leave us and never forsake us. I think those are really powerful parts of what Jesus' people are supposed to do and supposed to tell people when Messiah is coming to town. I think that should give a lot of people great peace when they think they want justice now. Or, or yeah, it, it will come, but he he'll sure. ta- he'll take care of you. Not only sure. will he give you peace now, but he'll take care of you. I don't think often that's not a word many of us can pronounce, spell. Or understand. <laughs> right. But when we really understand that, that's a great truth. Yeah. Uh, l- last question, Pastor Christian. The fourth discipleship track, how we like to end these every week, kind of an activate moment. What what from the message would you want our audience to share with someone else? How would they uh, encourage, disciple, challenge someone else? Gosh, so for me, it has it has to be the Jubilee year. Um, in, in the thought. So we talked about this Jubilee year, which which was a celebration of this of seven seasons of seven. So after 49 years, seven seasons of seven, the 50th year, the people of Israel uh, would rest. They would have a jubilee. We gave seven things that the jubilee year commanded. It started with a covering of sin. They would blow the trumpet on the day of atonement and say, this now starts the jubilee year. So literally the year began with sin being covered. They would remove all debt. You'd get freedom from any bondage that you were in. You would have the restoration of your family and your land. You would have basically the restoration of your life. Your life would be given back to you. You would have the restoration of everything given back to its original owner. And then you would have this rest into the simple life. Because every seventh year was a sabbatical year, that meant year 49 and 50 were years of rest. The vast majority of people would only experience this season of two years of the simple life once in their life. Right? You'd have to, you have to be a hundred to experience twice. And one of those times you'd be one and two. So literally every person would experience this once in their life, two years of the simple life. Say, what is a simple life? No sowing, no reaping, no working, no debt, um, a, literally a restoration of everything as it should be. It literally was a, it was a, a physical, spiritual, family, economical reset once a generation. And I would have to imagine, as I talked about Sunday, no matter how far somebody was from God, 
during this two years, an entire family trajectory would get reset. And I think the challenge that I gave to our people was regardless of where you came from, where you're going, like maybe this is the one time in your life you're going to get a chance to reset into the simple life of trusting Jesus, into the simple life of giving him your past, trusting him with your future, trusting him every day with your daily bread. Like maybe you are the generation that gets to reset everything. For 49 years, it hasn't been good. And the next 49 are continuing on a downward spiral. But maybe you get the chance through Jesus, who is our Jubilee, to reset. Why can't we be the generation that resets it and says, we're going to return to the simple life of Jesus and family and Jesus' mission and Jesus' ministry and caring for people the right way and trusting deeply and enjoying freely and forgiving broadly like no one else may do it but the people of God do why can't we be the generation that resets i think the thing that i would lean into is i would challenge everyone that i was discipling or ministering to regardless of what's going on in your life let this year be your reset because it's not just going to be for you if you will reset entire generations after you might reset regardless of how you walked into year 50 you can walk out different reset the jubilee of jesus i think was the thing that really stood out to me in this message i've added this to my tattoo list Uh, i have no tattoos um, but if i was going to get a tattoo of like my favorite biblical words probably shabbat would be one the sabbath concept uh the word glory has has become one of my favorites spiritually because of what it means and now after studying this this week jubilee is one of is one of my new favorite spiritual concepts because of how Jesus covers our sin, removes our debt, frees us from bondage, restores us to family and land, restores our life, restores me to my original owner, him I'm created in his image and allows me to rest into the simple life of who he created me to be. This concept of jubilee I I think is one of my favorite new spiritual concepts. Great point. I'm 47, so apparently at 50, I get two years off, so I like this also. (laughs) This sounds pretty good. I'm pretty close. You're close. Yep. If you haven't had it yet, that's it. I'm close. Man, great truth. Pastor Christian, always uh, appreciate the insight. Some of you, uh, as you listen today, like like often, you you may need to listen again. There's some points you may want to rewind and listen to, uh, but thank you for uh, listening today, tuning in from wherever you are. Uh, we're glad you found us. We would encourage you, if you would, to, to rate us. Always helps us as we try to uh, encourage more people, reach more people, activate more people in their faith. If we can answer questions or do anything for you, you can email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. We would love to hear from you. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.